This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! This is uh, the Valiant Central Podcast live on YouTube. The YouTube. It's the first time I think we're doing this on YouTube, right? Yeah. This is the first video anything we've done also. Oh, yeah. You can see my video, Paul. I can't see your video. But people watching on the YouTube will see your video here momentarily. Uh, I'm waiting for the actual stream to start. You know what? I'm just going to head and switch it. Screw it. Bam. So, uh, yeah, it looks like they're still getting set up. Cool. So, yeah. Super excited. Super excited. <laughs> what, uh, what are you expecting? I'm, I'm, here's too, what I'm right? expecting. I'm expecting them to announce the obliteration of faith torn from limb from limb. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> They're going to cauterize I think they're going to announce the obliteration of everything Chris's heart. <laughs> they're going to chop her arms and fingers and toes. And uh, they're going to spread it across the world. All of her little pieces. That's what the massacre is, Paul. I don't know if you knew that. It's like... In the Little Mermaid, when when Ursula gets hit by the ship and it stabs her, and then she explodes for some reason, mm. it's exactly <laughs> like that. I don't remember that. You're making that up. No, that's that's the end of the Little Mermaid. She Ursula turns giant, and the uh, the storm that she's creating brings up the sunken ship. So the mast is all like broken down and stuff because the ship had been sunk, mm. and so it's a, like a jagged pointy edge. And Eric pilots it into her to run her through to kill her, uh, and then she also explodes. And then there are bits of Ursula raining down all over the ocean floor. Interesting. So I can't tell from my little dashboard. For anybody that's watching right now on YouTube, uh, post in the I think there's a live chat thing. It shows me a live chat. I don't know if that's true or not. But if it's true, then tell me on there if the audio quality is okay or if it looks a little choppy. Hey, Jackson S. Because I really can't tell. On the dashboard, it looks choppy. But it tells me that the stream is green, that it's good, it's healthy. So uh, I guess we'll find out when I view the recording. (laughs) Uh, Who knows? And for anyone wondering, as soon as this thing starts, well, uh, I'm going to turn the audio on for the stream as well. So you'll be able to hear that. Paul's video is frozen. That's because Paul has uh, main internet. He's still on... Uh, I blame you and your technology. On 2G dial-up. All right. I think we're about to start. I hope this works out okay. You're going to have to do a lot of editing for the audio version of this podcast. You think so? I don't think Yeah, so. there's going to be a lot of silences Hello you have to edit everyone, out. And welcome to Valiant Summit 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Have you actually watched it? My name is Hunter Gorenson. Yes. I'm the vice president of marketing and communications at Valiant. I've America. never been able to because it's on during the middle of the day on a Monday. I know, but it's before terrible. Before we begin, let me introduce the guests 
Hunter needs my colleagues in Valiant back. who are joining us to kick things off. The far end of the couch, Mr. Warren Simons, Valiant Editor-in-Chief. Warren Simons. And Valiant Chief Creative Officer and CEO, Mr. Dinesh Shabasani. Can we boo Warren? Boo! I will say the audio is better this what year. What would be louder if we boo Dinesh? We boo Dinesh. Don't worry, we got plenty of cheering coming up. We got plenty. Yes, of they put all those hardcovers back there just so you uh, wish you could begin, have them, but you can't because they're out of print. I don't know. The next Los hardcovers. Beautiful Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Big thanks to Mr. Zach Eubank and the Hyper RPG crew for helping make this happen. Let's have a big round of applause for Hyper RPG. So, Dinesh, this is our yes. third annual Valiant Summit. This has uh, become yes. something of a tradition for us. It's a big deal. We take what happens here today very, very seriously. We've been working diligently. God, I hope the video ends up being better than last year. Creators so far, up some pretty so big, amazing news for today. What is Valiant Summit? Why is this such an important event for Valiant? Well, this, this is, I'm very excited. Valiant Summit 2017 is an important one. Uh, Valiant Summit is where we talk directly here. We work very, very far out ahead, which is something most publishers do not do. Um, and we like to get everyone as excited as they can be, as far out as we can get them excited. So this year we're going to be talking about 2017. Um, all the books that we, uh, that have, we have coming out this year, we're going to be announcing a lot of stuff, teasing a lot of stuff, showing you a lot of great art. We've got some great creators here going to be talking to you guys. I forgot about the Spice Girls icons logo. <laughs> yep, So if there's one word that I think sums up what and we actually yes. released, a the video teaser, looks fine uh, for me. I think I might be ago, slightly behind uh, you though. Some of our most popular That's characters, possible. a beautiful piece of art by Felipe Massafara, versus last year. Well, icons is, is <laughs> Dennis much, says much they like do not look comfortable sitting on the couch. Agreed. Also, hey, Gary. <laughs> Warren looks very uncomfortable. <laughs> Summit 2017, it is about the evolution of Valiant. We're a publisher that started in 2012. We were the best new publisher in the business that year, won uh, Publisher of the Year from Diamond. Uh, we're a little train that keeps on chugging, that, uh, uh, that, that takes its shots to the big guys. And uh, Icons is about that, exactly that. Uh, last year, we expanded what Valiant was. We created a lot of new characters, Britannia, Savage. We did Divinity 2 and 3, made that a key figure in the Valiant universe. Elevated Faith, she's now one of the most popular characters in comics. Uh, and Valiant 2017 is about bringing back the big icons, Exo Manowar, Bloodshot, Ninjak, Faith, Shadow Man, all the big characters coming back. We're going to put all the toys on, back on the, uh, the table. So we have to take a few You're probably good 20 yep. seconds ahead of me. You think so? Uh, so first and foremost, mm-hmm. among the icons lineup is a little character we like to call You made sure she's going to die common. I had to wait maybe 10, 15 seconds. I had to wait a little bit for mention Faith. So EXO had a big, auspicious launch just a couple weeks ago. On March 22nd, we dropped uh, a new number one for the character, written by Matt Kent, art by Tomas Giarello. An absolutely phenomenal book. Got great reviews, sold out almost instantaneously. But there's also um, something very special about this. Um, And that would be that as of today, EXO Manowar is officially... The best-selling independent comic. Ninety thousand. That's not what I saw. Has sold more than ninety thousand copies. That differs a bit from what uh, some folks have found out publicly. Can you tell us a little bit about what this kind of milestone represents for the company and how we came to to ninety thousand? Sure, sure, sure. So Matt Kin and Thomas Giarello, incredible creative team, 
covers by Luis Larosa and uh, Kenneth Walker Ford, Miko Soyan, a bunch of great covers on this book. Uh, we've had a tremendous response. Thank you, everyone who came out and supported this book, all the fans, all the retailers. We've heard a tremendous sellout uh, reports from the retailers, tremendous uh, reorders as well. We also built a uh, brand new program, the pre-order edition, which is an edition that uh, fans had to pre-order the first arc, first three issues up front with issue one. Uh, and they got eight pages of new content in each of the issues behind the scenes material. So what happened is uh, the official number that was released on the monthly ranking system uh, was 60,000. It did not include the pre-order edition, all the reorders, etc. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, and we've had such strong sell-through that the reorders came in very, very strong. And our official number now, to date, as of today, is over 90,000 yep. copies. So the highest selling single issue. That's actually really interesting. So it's 60,000 copies just in the singles, but then it was um, over 90,000 if you include the pre-orders. So big congratulations to Matt and to So the diamond for, uh, numbers don't include the pre-orders. That's pretty cool. You still have the factor of error at the but one in 500 driving it. I saw Mike Myers commenting on that on Facebook and Twitter. Still, I mean, 90,000 additional sales is pretty crazy. See, Matt's got an epic beard. So, Exo Manowar, obviously one of the signature characters of the Valiant Universe, leading off the Icons lineup. Yeah, you're at least 15 what seconds ahead of me. the next character that you want to tackle? You've obviously played with Ninjak, Rai, uh, the list goes on and on. Why Exo healthy. Um, I think, well, if, since I got my hands on Ninjak, <laughs> Exo was the only one left that I, that I really was dying to get a hold of, you know. Um, but he, I've been a fan of him since the 90s, you know, and, uh, and I just think the concept of the character is really fun. And, uh, but I think Rob was doing such a good job on the 50-plus issues he did. I was like, well, okay, <laughs> that's fine, you know. And he, he did a great job. And and, uh, and I think initially I was a little bit intimidated by that run, you know. I was like, I don't know, what do you do with a character after that? Um, and then uh, I guess the idea I came up with was to do, just take him off Earth, throw him on an alien planet, and, uh, and see what happens, you know, and sort of strip him back down to like his basic barbarian phase, you know, and uh, take kind of take the armor away and sort of just figure out what he is as a human being first, you know, sure. before sort of introducing the armor back into the equation. Um, but I think that's what I like. Like, I, I'm a big fan of barbarians. You know? <laughs> so just getting him back to barbarian mode um, was the thing that I was most excited about. Uh, but also just building a world, like going to an alien planet and sort of fleshing that out and making it real and doing uh, um, something that wasn't just like him flying through space and land on a planet and do his mission and then come back home, but actually spend some time developing uh, uh, Planet Gorin. Sure. Great name. <laughs> and I know, isn't name. it? I, I don't know where the ideas where come you, from, but... But I really want... That was the other part of it that I was excited to do was to sort of develop an alien planet that, was, that felt real, you know, that felt lived in and had... A history to it. So there's, you know, three different distinct races of beings that live on the planet. They all have their own histories and their own way of interacting. Um, so getting to just have that existing uh, when we meet Eric, you know, it's been some time since Rob's run. Right. I don't think we put an exact date on it, but it's been a while. And so we see him. We don't really know where he, what's happened on Earth or why he's here. Um, we sort of just throw him on this planet and have him sort of deal with this alien culture. Um, but I think seeing that character uh, uh, in an alien uh, 
planet, you know, and sort of out of his comfort zone, I think gives us a, it's a different contrast, you know, rather than having him being a man out of place on Earth in our modern times, throwing him into an alien world and seeing uh, him react to that helps us relate to him in a way where we're kind of with him then, you know, it's like the stuff that he's seeing that's alien to him is also alien to us, you know, and I think you kind of lose sight of that fact of his character like when he's on earth in the in 21st century um it, that's weird you know it's weird for him you know because he hasn't hadn't seen a cell phone and that this or that so getting to put him on an alien planet where uh we can feel what he feels and and everything is as alien to us as readers as it is to him i think helps get into his character interestingly enough it's something that's never been done with the character before in his 25 year history it feels like we've told a bunch of stories with this character from a variety of amazing creators but you're the first one to really plant uh, him on a whole new world and you know similarly unique to that is the fact that you guys have built a massive plan for this character it's not just one arc it's not just two arcs you guys are working on five arcs of the first year of this book simultaneously how did that plan together plan come together and what are we going to see Arik do over the course of the coming year yeah, I mean, I think it's weird writing comics is odd to me because you, I can't... You do I, it well, dude. I can't, but it's, it's a weird process because you, like, it can be unending. Like, what's the last mm-hmm. issue? We don't know what it right. is, you know? So it's odd as a writer to approach a book like this and 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 uh, and sort of have an unlimited space to tell it, you know? So I, part of that's a challenge but it's also the fun of well, it I so that I think when we came up with the idea it was like oh let's throw them in any planet have all these cultures do this thing and uh, but then we have all this the one that we like kind of back behind Matt build, you know? yeah, yeah yeah and so I think the uh, what I was excited about doing was then yeah, it's so exactly. progressed you know the beauty of comics and that big canvas is that you can show a character start here and then grow you know and I think that's what, kind of what we're doing is is having him throwing me on the planet. He's just a farmer. We're doing a podcast where we don't have to talk. And he gets looped back into this war and he doesn't want to fight him, but he's (laughs) he's recruited. So he's a foot foot soldier for the first arc. And then every arc is sort of structured in a way we're going to see him progress, you know, because he's a born fighter. So it's not, he's not going to be a foot soldier forever. Um, So he does that, proves himself, you know, it kind of gets upgraded to captain. And then uh, without spoiling too much, I think the title's, Spoil it in a way sure. where it's captain and general, and then we're going to get to emperor maybe. Yeah. Um, but then sort of see how does a person progress from a guy on a farm to emperor, you know? And then what does he have to do to get there? How does it change him? Uh, what does he have by doing the stuff that it takes to get to emperor? Yep. And then is he is he fit to be emperor by the time he gets there by having done the things he's done, you know? And I think only in comics or like any sort of long form like if you're doing like a series of prose books could you do a story like that where you just have a character evolve over time like that um, and show him go from foot soldier to emperor uh, but it's also to me in comics it's hard to do because you've got a character that's like Exo he's the flagship character you know he's the one everybody loves the most but to be able to do that to show an evolution of a character that exists like that um, for a company like Valiant, you know, and get him to have him be able to change, you know, like he's he's going to be different uh, in issue twelve than he, where he started in issue one, and sure. I think that's kind of unique in comics as well. I mean, to that point, you're building an entirely new 
world, literally from the ground up for EXO. You've totally changed what his status quo is going to be. And we've talked a lot up front about how he's going to rise from soldier to general to emperor over the course of that first year. We haven't, although we announced the creative teams for the back end of the year and into early 2018, we haven't detailed too much of what you have in store there. And I do think there's some really exciting uh, shakeups coming for the character and the kind of antagonist he's going to be facing. So uh, we do have a little information to share about what's going to be coming up in Exo Man of War number 10, which is one of the standalones, uh, the, the standalone in between Emperor and an arc we're calling Visigoth. That's going to begin in uh, January of 2018. So who are the bounty hunters? Who are these characters and what do they portend for Exo Man of War's future? Oh, they're ba- it's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I've loved bounty hunters since I was seven years old, you know, and... Uh, Watching Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> so um, Binding so Hunters that, are the coolest. You, what you're saying is the oh man, those are cool character designs. I'm so trying to beat Empire. I'm trying to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spending my, the rest of my life. yeah. Uh oh. Like for X, for Eric to get to Emperor, he's going to have to do some things that aren't aren't super popular uh, with some of the planet, you know, and, and I think it's, I'm gonna, it's up to the reader in a lot of ways to decide, you know, did he do the right thing? Did he not? All right. I'm um, naming that character. Finally hunters. Fluffy butt. After Eric, uh, because I think he did not do I the right thing. I'm not seeing fluffy butt yet. Yeah. You, you'll see fluffy butt in a second. You know exactly what I'm talking to, about. To inhabit these, uh, these designs that Kenneth Walker Ford has built, because these are some of the coolest looking bounty hunters I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, uh, yeah, one of the uh, amazing things about the, the, the course of, of the 15, 20 issues that we have set up right now is that we open with Tomas Giorello, and the art there has just been absolutely amazing. Matt gave him just this an is working incredible out gauntlet well. to, to draw on the first issue where we're literally doing, I think as you described it, the invasion of Normandy, but vertically. Mm. And then I've got to say, well, I can't see anything because I'm trying to reload this. Uh, Matt looks very comfortable on the couch, yeah, unlike the, the other two. He sure does. After that, Clayton Crane probably... One he owns any seating device he uses. Third arc, so we've just got tons and tons of firepower. I mean, with an epic beard like that, you kind of have to know. You know, uh, uh, Miko Soyan comes on board. We've got covers, and we've got these amazing designs by Kenneth Rocafort. And then Ryan Bodenheim's going to be here. So we have just this massive year of, of incredible artists really inhabiting this, you know, amazing year-long story you've built on. No, it's great. I mean, it's, you guys pick the best. Give me the best artists. The books are going to be good. <laughs> so... And just one more thing I note about the bounty hunters is if you take a look at these designs, these guys don't really seem to match some of the other races that we know might be inhabiting the planet Gorin. So we know that you're already building that world from the ground up in Exo Manowar. You've dabbled mm-hmm. in the cosmic side of the Valiant Universe a little bit with Divinity. Is that something that you want to explore more over the coming year for Valiant? Yeah, I mean, there's in the first issue, we there's something in there. There's like a little Easter egg that is going to be a big deal later. Like... Like in a year, I guess. But I think we built we another built year. They're going to grow into a bigger idea that we had from the beginning, um, and these co- sort of tie into that. Um, but it's it's background now, and then, again, that's what I love about comics and being able to plan like a year, year and a half out, is that you can put things in issue number one that uh, like you did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then and like sixteen issues later, they uh, you're, you can go back and look at it and be like, oh my god. That thing was in there. What was in there? Well, that, you just gave me, you that just gave me the look. Thing. Like I've said too much. <laughs> Did I? Am I saying too much? No, no I I'm think, not I saying think too, I've much. Said too much. <laughs> no, it's but it's perfect amount. But I love what I love about that as a writer. I love that. Then it's proof that we knew what we were doing from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> we didn't yeah. just make it up as we went along. There was something in the first issue um, that proves that we 
at least think we know what we're doing. <laughs> Everyone knows what, what the, the Easter egg in the first yeah. issue of Exile like, was, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish so Easter egg has been all since we alien world back to ancient talked Rome, about it. I think most people have heard about it. Yeah, it's in, uh, I don't, uh, I think they kind of talk a little bit more in the, uh, if you got the pre-order bundle, there's a little snippet that's blurted out about a ship in for Britannia, we who are about to die, number one. Dinesh, I know this is one of your favorite And I know uh, our buddy Jonathan Sanchez, what is he Britannia? made the clear connection. Uh, well, Warren, if you read X of Man and War uh, back in the 90s, equipped, what uh, the armor was able to build things. Because it represents the yeah, evolution of Valiant. Again, as we talked about, 2016 was new characters. Britannia is something that we never would have been able to do or Valiant never would have been able to do if we hadn't built up from 2012 to get to this place. It's the story of the world's first detective. A legionnaire in ancient Rome is given the codex by the Vestal Virgins, the, the, the most powerful woman in, in the ancient world, and it explains to this guy, Antonius, uh, that people do things because of their psychology, because of what happened to them or the way that they think as opposed to the gods and destiny and fate. And he becomes the... He's one half step ahead of everyone else in terms of the evolution of psychology, of thinking, uh, and philosophy. Uh, so he becomes the world's first detective, and he is assigned to Britannia to figure out uh, these pagan monsters that have been plaguing the Roman troops, uh, and he doesn't believe in them, and he goes over there, and uh, things get a little hairy, and he may have to call into question uh, his current beliefs. And that was the first series, which was a huge hit for us uh, yes. last year. Uh, went through ten printings across the entire miniseries, which is a big achievement. Yes, and won, it was, won a ton of awards, sold a, a ton. And so we're, we're right back with Britannia, Those Who Are About to Die. And uh, we put the same team back again on the book, and we've introduced a brand new character. She's an awesome gladiator, female gladiator. And uh, that scene that I keep talking about is my favorite scene. You should talk to them about where, where we introduce her. Oh, well, she's, she's, you know, Peter and Juan just put together this amazing tapestry where they built up Rome. As Dinesh noted, you know, there's there's one of my favorite scenes is Antonius is walking around, uh, uh, and he's just looking for clues, and everyone at this time thinks that uh, uh, the gods are, if you see a body, you don't look at it for, for exit wounds. You know, we do that now. We, there are a million shows on TV where we look at stuff like that. Antonius does it. Everyone else thinks they're desecrating a body. So it's just the psychology that he builds up into this world is fascinating. And we meet this gladiatrix. And we discover her, and she's in the arena for the first time. And we just see what an absolute force of nature she is. One on five. Yeah, she's she just she takes on a whole bunch of of male gladiators, for whatever reason. And we'll discover this in the story. Uh, uh, Rome, the elite of Rome, are trying to kill her, and they're doing their best to do so. And for whatever reason, they can't get to her. Uh, so they just throw a wave after wave at her, and she's just an absolute force. And she's, she's just, got a great helmet. We don't know if she's male or female yet. She takes it off. Yep. And the great moment. Freaks out. It's awesome. Yeah, so this is an all-new mystery, uh, completely standalone. You can pick up pick up this one or pick up the previous uh, volume of Britannia. Great jumping on point for the character and something that's completely different than any other kind of comic being published out there today and one that you know we've seen a huge, huge response to. So look for more Britannia going forward, absolutely. Uh, which brings us to some of our most demanded characters. Uh, that would be so this is why they have Matt write Shadow all the books Man, so they can only have one person come to this thing <laughs> in Rapture, written by none other than Matt Kent with art by Keifu. Uh, we've described this as Lord of the Rings for the Valiant Universe. It's a standalone event that's going to feature sure Ninjak so. and Shadow Man, along with Tama the Geomancer and Punk Mambo, teaming up to go into the Dead Side for a quest uh, to stop some pretty bad dudes who are uh, trying to breach uh, the lines between worlds. Warren, Matt. 
I know you guys are neck deep in this as we speak. Uh, what do we have to look forward to <laughs> in Rapture? In, just in case Empire Strikes Back wasn't a high enough bar. Yeah, no, no, yeah, also, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're the one that sets the bars for me. Well, you're, you keep hitting them, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, it's... I don't know what you want me to say about this. So, yeah, it's big. And here's the thing is, uh, I love Lord of the Rings, but... Sneeze-inducing. I I didn't really realize how great Lord of the Rings was until until, uh, I read the Silmarillion, which is... And I totally said that wrong. Silmarillion. No, that's right. hard to say. But it's like the... I think Silmarillion's one of my favorites. The source book for all the Lord of the Rings. I have not read that. Yeah, it's really good. Tolkien wrote, which is all the backstory of everything that... uh, like the elves and all the races and all, everything about them, you know, and all this mythology that he built. And I've, to me, that's more impressive than Lord of the Rings, like uh, because it's like that world was real again, sure. you know. And it's and that's the same thing we're doing with EXO um, with this as well. I always felt like the dead side, um, and just as a as an idea in all of fiction or whatever, the idea of like this afterlife or the other world or like another world, um, it never seems real to me. Um, so one of my goals in doing this book was to make the dead side seem real and I think we kind of did that with Ninjak too where yeah. Ninjak and Shadow Man sort of we've seen them before in the dead side and I really want to make that seem concrete like a real place that you could go and not want to ever come back to that place because right. it's so terrible um, but I think that was one of the goals with this too is not just have like a big epic um, battle with all these crazy factions and things that are happening in there but also make it seem like a real place where these these characters exist um, and it's been around forever um, and there's a reason and there's a sense to it you know rather than just magic or something that doesn't you're just throwing Very it out cool. there yeah one of my favorite things about this is we open with Tom and the Geomancer and she's on this Indiana Jones-esque uh, adventure yeah. and she stumbles across uh, a new character that we've created called Rex the Razor uh, we have some beautiful art here by Kafu. He's just absolutely killing it. Uh, and and we encounter this this character named Babel, uh, and and Tom then is forced to sort of gather up a, a bunch of ragtag individuals uh, to come back and and really stop Babel from from ultimately, you know, breaching the live side, which is another concept that that you know you've created here. And we've got you know Punk Mambo, we've got Ninjak, we've got Shadow Man, we've Shadow got Man. We've got yeah. Shadow Man. I mean, you know, when yeah. we, you know, and one of the great things about about your run on Ninjak is that we we were able to build so much of Shadow Man there. Where in Ninjak ten to thirteen, Operation Deadside, we turned Shadow Man into the Magpie, and now we've naturally seen the evolution of Shadow Man where he's going in this incarnation of Rapture. So it's it's pretty awesome. It's almost like we have a plan for Shadow Man, and Rapture is a very important piece of it. Yes. It's almost like if you like Shadow Man, you should definitely read Rapture first. It's almost as if you like Shadow Man, definitely do not miss this book. It's very important. <laughs> I think that means that we should read Shadow Man. Shadow Man might be important to the Valiant Universe over the coming year? Anything nah. else to look forward to? No? No, nah, I don't so? think so. Nah. Anyone a Shadow Man fan here? Yeah. <laughs> Disappointing. You're going to be very disappointed. Very disappointed, yeah. Um, And just one more thing to note on this book. I mean, you've assembled a pretty interesting collection of characters here that don't all particularly fall into um, the Shadow Man mythology or the Ninjak mythology. Tama, Punk Mambo, Ninjak, Shadow Man. What made those the four characters that you wanted to be the driving force for this book? Apart from a writer's standpoint, the fact that none of them really get along is is why I wanted them together. You know, I think... Ninjak is very literal-minded, and he wants answers for everything. And then throwing him in the dead side just on his own is kind of funny because nothing makes sense to him. But then having uh, Shadow Man and Punk Mambo, who 
they're blowing magic dust around and 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 while Ninjak's putting a mask on so he doesn't have to breathe it. Like I, those are fun interactions for me to have. Um, and then Tama was always a character that we Jeff Lemire and I uh, brought her into the universe in the Valiant, and that was somebody we always wanted to come back to or do something with. You know, so I I definitely wanted to make her a part of this too, or make people just kind of fall in love with her and want to see more of her as well. So that's why we start the first eight pages. It's just her, her um, running around the dead side. Owning it's awesome. It, you know? <laughs> I want to see more of just that. I want to see a whole book of just Tama doing that. Yeah, she's, so, she's, she's like the supernatural Nancy Drew, you know? And, yeah. and, and uh, really wanted to, to bring her to life. Um, but yeah, and then Shadow, and Shadow Man, I think he is a character that has had a pretty checkered past, and I think that's what this is about in a lot of ways, is like trying to redeem him or is he redeemable you know and him sort of going on that path um, and that was the other thing to me the, the dead side when we started this I was like oh the dead side I want to make that seem real and then uh, we were kicking ideas back and forth and, and I think in the pitch I was like well if there's a dead side where's the live side like why we always see the dark stuff you know we'd, we were I think we were sending emails back and forth trying to find the worst Hieronymus Bosch images we could find They're like let's put something like this in there or that in there you know and I was like what about Where's the live side? Where's the good? Is there a good place you can go? Yeah, you know, why do we have to go to the dead side all the time? So I think that's part of the part of this that ties into Shadow Man is you know he keeps getting jammed back into the dead side, and I think he wants to know that it's like was well, there is this all there is? You know, awesome. So so you're saying if 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 Nancy Drew and Indiana Jones merge into one character and they start in the World of the Rings, if you've always wanted to see that. Or if you're upset that there's no Shadow Man ongoing ever again, you should jump into Rapture. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Good right. call. Good call. Make sure. So Matt's going to be back to join us in a little bit, but let's have a big round of applause for Matt and for Rapture. Yeah. yeah. I love how the mesh is like everything. <laughs> Which brings us to June. I think one title that we have been very excited about at Valiant is Secret Weapons. Uh, as you can see on the screen here, this is the first solo starring tale for Livewire, who's going to be coming together with a brand new team of characters for the Valiant Universe. So before we dive into this one, let's uh, bring writer Eric Heiser. He doesn't like company. <laughs> How you doing, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm cozy. This is company. He's wearing a leather jacket, which is perfect for so Eric, writing a 90s rehash comic. It's not every day that an Oscar-nominated screenwriter steps into the world of comics. I'm pretty sure that couch would be the worst. He, at, at he looks the like most Valiant. uncomfortable of all you know, of them. You wrote a rival, been very successful in feature film world. What made Livewire, and by extension, the team of secret weapons that you're creating, you know, what did you want? What you wanted to be your next project? Well, honestly, where do you go after you get Oscar nominated? You go to Valiant. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going on the front of the book now. <laughs> um, it you is. You know, this, this stemmed from the fact that I had been uh, working for the past year or so on uh, the Harbinger and Bloodshot adaptations. And particularly with Harbinger, I kept coming up with ideas for Live Wire. Um, so Live Wire is one of the most powerful heroes on the planet, it says there. I with before I do. 
Uh, you know, I kept coming to the Nash. Well, what about we do this with her? And he's like, dude, it's the Harbinger film. You know, it's not the live wire. What you film. don't think so? I'm like, yeah, but she should have her own book. And they're like, and they're like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think they've made her something? seem like, like yes, one of I the am. most powerful. Uh, and that's how I yeah, found I uh, my way to, to this. She has been underutilized. So what is the setup of this book? Obviously, yeah. you begin with live wire. I mean, she has a lot of skill, and I think the key with her is that she really knows how to use it. bigger from there. And does more with what she has than a lot of others would. Well, this focuses on a group of kids that are basically rejects from Harbinger's program of like his surgical procedure to activate uh, latents, you know, and make, make them psyots. We see how sometimes that goes horribly wrong, and the psyot or the people in the, in the surgical room uh, are killed from that experience, and then you see the egg breakers, you see the awesome, you know, psyots that right. go on uh, to be part of Harada's team, but you don't see, since it's a lottery system, you don't see the ones that emerge from that uh, but then Harada deems them kind of mundane or useless or clumsy or whatnot, and it takes too, it would take too much for him to train them. So he puts them in a in a facility that uh, that he's that it's like the island of misfit toys, but for for psyots. Uh, and poor Amanda, like Alivar, didn't know about any of this until everything went sideways. Right I see tentacle you know, porn. Mass exodus from of, of Harada, and she steps in to discover that now that this information is public. All these uh, abandoned misfits are being hunted down and killed one by one, and it's doubly tragic for for Amanda, who has such empathy for these kids and wants to find them and protect them. Very cool. And you've created really you call them the Island of Misfits toys, but you've created characters that have very very specific powers that may not be the kind of stuff that you're used to seeing in superhero comics. Certainly not that useful if you're trying to go out and punch a supervillain in the face. Right. You have Nikki who can talk to birds, yeah. and then this gentleman here, Owen, who has perhaps what may be my, my favorite power. That's great. Punch. Yeah. Yeah, Owen, uh, he can conjure inanimate objects. He doesn't know where they come from. Um, and that sounds like an awesome power, except he really doesn't control what he gets. And, uh, <laughs> and that much to his dismay. That's pretty funny, uh, actually. And so that's, that's been a bit of a... A problem for him, and we get we delve into his mythology a little bit more in, in uh, issue two. You find out a little bit more about his powers as he does. Um, and then I have a, another character I introduce in a, a later issue who's able to turn his uh, his skin and anything he's wearing into like a super hard stone-like surface. But as soon as he does that, he can't move. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and then uh, phos- oh, the phosphine Martin, he's he can he can make things glow. Uh, again, these are, they seem like a great basic kind of like like the reject pile. Uh, but then, when you bring in Livewire, <laughs> someone who's sort of a natural leader and has a ton of empathy, she starts to figure out for them. Yeah, the guy who can conjure inanimate objects. I just hope they do better with him than uh, than uh, gold balls. working on intensively behind the scenes, and that you guys have been looking forward to. But Paul, nothing's better than gold balls. What was it about bringing Eric into that that seemed like a natural fit in some place we wanted to go next? I think that was the moment when I said, I'm checking out of the X-Men for now. Uh, for the film with us and Sony, Bloodshot as well, and he's done such an amazing job. I'm so excited for everyone to see those things come to fruition and, and see all the big uh, characterizations of the plot turns that Eric's built for you guys. And gun um, hands. And gun hands in Secret uh, in Weapons. But actually, what, what we've talked a lot about this. What we're very excited about for Secret Weapons is it's not what you expect. It is a thoroughly character-centric story. It is uh, uh, heartbreaking and, and, and moving, and uh, it's not like anything else. Secret Weapons kind of makes me think uh, of... Uh, very infrequent for comics to do a story Superior like Superior foes of Spider-Man. Um, and I think that people are going to really, really fall in love with Livewire and really fall in love with the I hadn't thought about that. And despite all the big pyrotechnics, 
that's what I think people are going to respond to the most. And, and Eric is uniquely qualified to do that. Yeah, one of everyone that the, you know, the yeah. yeah, one of my favorite characters is Nikki, who could talk to birds, uh, which doesn't seem like an awesome power, but but down the road we'll see that it is. And and Owen, who's the side who Eric mentioned, can conjure everything. I think you guys are going to love him. If it wasn't for bad luck, Owen would have no luck at all. <laughs> and you meet these guys, and and you know. The, Eric did such a great job with the script. The characterization is so strong, you feel like you've known him for years, and that's really a rare thing in comics. As Dinesh mentioned, I don't think it's going to be what you're expecting. It's a really beautiful, character-driven story. I'm pretty excited for where we're headed. And that's it. why Raul is the perfect artist. Yes. I mean, Raul yeah. Allen, who did Wrath of Eternal Warrior, has done a ton of covers for us. This guy's a superstar in the making. I think this book is going to put him on the map in a huge way. Yeah, I, I don't always do this, but whenever pages come in, I'll text Eric and I'll be like, check your email. <laughs> 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 or I'll just send Eric an email with the pages and I'll write back and I'll be like, dude. Dude, dude. <laughs> that's his back and forth. Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so. That page right there on the right is a great illustration of you know Raul's talent for storytelling, which is a transition from day to night in a way that you don't usually see done in, in the comic book medium. Uh, is you know, yeah, guy's I, absolutely next level in what he's doing on this book. Yeah, Raul and Patricia Martin, who's, who's Raul's collaborator, they're both doing this. And, and I think Eric and I probably spent five minutes walking through that particular page mm-hmm. last week. Where we were just, yeah. why do you like those windows? You know, just yeah. back and forth. Over them. Yep. Awesome stuff. And so we talked... Uh, a little bit in the opening about how in 2016 Faith was really a character that broke out in in the Valiant Universe in 2016, and I think that we had you know do you think that Livewire is possibly positioned to be doing the same thing over the coming year in Secret Weapons? What do you think? Totally, absolutely. Yeah. Livewire's been been a, it's one of the most complicated characters in, in, in all of comics, not just Valiant. It's been one of all of our favorite characters inside Valiant, which is exactly what we felt about Faith, and we had no idea Faith was going to explode. And so I think all literally the, all the explode, Paul. For that to key key member of the Harbinger Foundation, no, as lieutenant. No character in comics like her. Leader of Unity. Yep. Uh, gun uh, hands. Gun hands. Gun hands. Finally, gun hands, guys. Gun hands. <laughs> and it's not just Livewire. It's not just the secret weapons. You're also bringing back a classic valiant villain here in the form of Rexo, who I know we're keeping a little bit under our hats. It's shrouded right. in mystery to a to a degree. But what's your take on Rexo, and and how are we going to meet him in the first issue? Well, he's. Like semi canonical in that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I touch on the last time we'd even seen Rexo before, and there's a uh, there's a new plan for him. There's a new program that had been put in place to utilize whatever they'd figured out on how to uh, resurrect Rexo, uh, and that deals with a a competitor's technology. So that's about as much as I can say. Awesome. Uh, so Secret Weapons issue number one is going to be out in June. We're also doing something very special uh, to coincide with this, a program that we launched back with Exo Manowar number one through three. Dinesh, what is the Secret Weapons pre-order edition? Sure. And how much, can you get it? Much, much like Exo Manowar, it's a new program that we created, uh, and it was a way for us to help you guys make sure you get the books. We know that our books sell out very quickly. It's a way for us to help the retailers get as much information ahead of time so that they're not caught, uh, by the, uh, caught off guard by the huge demand. So what it is is we build these uh, pre-order editions. Each of them have eight pages of exclusive behind-the-scenes content, so interviews with Eric, um, behind-the-scenes material from uh, Raul and Patricia, etc. Um, and the only way to get them is to pre-order all four issues before issue one hits a certain date, uh, the initial order date for retails, which is... April 27th for Secret Weapons. By the way, that that package Um, is a no-brainer. And you get all the the, the exact same price as the regular edition. You just have to get them up front. Yep, with a whole bunch of bonus content that cannot be found anywhere else. It's a special thank you for the fans for their big show of support and coming out and pre-ordering the books, which is 
without a doubt, one of the most valuable things you can do as a fan. Um, so yeah, Secret Weapons number one, coming out in June. Let's have a big round of applause for Mr. Eric Heiser. So from Livewire to one of the other leading ladies of the Valiant Universe, none other than Faith. Do we have any Faith fans in the house? Joining us today here at Valiant Summit 2017, let's welcome Jody Hauser to the stage. So 2016 was a huge year for Faith. You did a ton of exciting work with the character. We went from a limited series that defied everyone's expectations, I think, to an ongoing series that was one of the biggest uh, debuts of Valiant for the year. Uh, Tons of great reviews, tons of press for the character. You know, what is your approach to Faith? Where did you start with this character before any of that big stuff happened? What was your way in with the character? So I'm going to meet well, Jody um, at uh, C2E2. To take a look at I wonder how angry she's going to be. If there were any characters her. that really stood out to me as someone I would want to write, you know, a miniseries for, and Faith was really the standout character, I think. In the Why book, would she be angry with you? He wrote the original run on Harbingers. Well, because okay. you want to kill Faith? Long. She said that I don't himself. know what you're talking she's about. like the breath of fresh air. among everyone else who's really sort of sad and you know (laughs) in agony over having these powers and she's like guys we're superheroes this is the best thing ever (laughs) and just as someone who also grew up you know reading comics and watching sci-fi that was a character I just immediately latched onto because she's the one who actually gets to go out and do the thing we, we all dreamed about as a kid like she gets to save the world and she's someone who is optimistic enough to believe she can do that and she can make a difference and just the fact that she's being informed by all of the same things that we would be informed with if we were heroes in the real world. Um, it's just been so much fun working with a character like that and putting her optimism to the test, I guess, and just see you know, if she wants to be a superhero, let's throw everything a superhero would have to deal with at her and see how she handles it. And you've done that to a great degree in the pages of Faith's solo book. You've created a whole new status quo for the character outside of the pages of Harbinger. She lives right here in Los Angeles. She's a reporter by day, superhero by night. She's starting to get her own rogues gallery. Oh, yeah, uh, and that was... Currently a, with the Faithless. Yeah. yeah, that was a big deal for me was because I feel like the best superheroes are really defined by their villains to a large extent. So I wanted to have a really cool rogues gallery for her. And then uh, in the current arc that's going on right now, the Faithless, we brought all the villains together for the first time, which is uh, an interesting experience for her. Yeah. So all of your work with Faith over the past year is really coming to a head in the pages of uh, her solo title, building up to issue 12. But where we go after there is going to be someplace, I think, even bigger than anything that's been done with the character before for a project that we are calling Faith and the Future Force. Um, Yeah. As you can see, Faith is about to get mixed up not just with uh, Unity, but with the greatest heroes of the Valiant Universe, past, present, and future. Guys... Jody's going to be working with Steven Segovia, Barry Kitson on this book. What is Faith in the Future Force? Why was Faith the right uh, character to lead a big summer event for Valiant? Well, something in this I've been seeding back since the miniseries, it's clear that the one thing Faith would really, really love to do is travel through time. You know, she's a Doctor Who fan. She's dropping references to that all the time. So now she actually gets to do that, but not for a fun jaunt through history. It's essentially to keep time from unraveling. Are you saying that Neela Timewalker is back? Neela Timewalker is back. Oh, you changed the picture, but she was right there in the She's corner, right yes. Yep. She plays a... So, yes. uh, 
how do we get to how do we get to the future force? Obviously, we need Neela Time Walker to make that happen. Why faith? Why now? Why is faith the person who can save the future? That's an interesting question, and that's uh, something uh, Neela, as someone who is a who's essentially the new Time Walker now. Uh, she has information that Faith may be the only one who can save history, but how or why she got that, um, that's a little bit of a spoiler. Cool. But, yeah, I mean, it's she knows that Faith is the hero who might be able to uh, keep the entire reality from disintegrating. Awesome. Um, but that's kind of a hard thing to do on your own, which is sort of where everyone else comes in. So the stakes like really couldn't be higher for this book. Uh, this is easily the biggest story that Faith has ever found herself at the center of, and this is the first time that we're really pulling together all of the timelines of the Valiant Universe, which is you know a big deal. It's something that has not happened to date uh, anywhere. <laughs> Hunter like shut and up, and Dinesh is like, I just say everything. Tell with Faith going forward, and who can we expect to see in the pages of this book? That's what the well, next I don't know how spoilery we want to get, but uh, the, just a touch. The, just na- get the narrative structure that Jody came up with is uh, is pretty awesome, and it helps explain why we have sort of multiple artists coming on board. But uh, as we progress through the story, it's good to see faith uh, in something that's consequential in the larger universe. Uh, I think that's been part of the problem with what she's done AI so far. It, it spans yeah, I totally agree. Timeline, spans the future for you know the majority of Valiant fans. Everything, everything, very few limitations. So. You know, Jody's put together a pretty awesome story here. Uh, no longer scope of things. It and probably was a good thing because it was an entry yeah. point yeah. for <laughs> outside fans, say, uh, and now this will be a reason to draw them in deeper. Issue number one is going to both have Steven Segovia and Barry Kitson, two totally amazing artists, long distinguished runs in the comics. Are we going to see more Valiant fans? How does the artistic duties on this book going to work? Yeah, it's a very precise split. You know, Jody's built a narrative that we have very specific reasons for why different artists are going to be here. We've got Steven Segovia joining us for the first issue. Steven's a fantastic artist. He just did a beautiful job for us on Matt's Ninjak. Uh, and then we have Barry Kitson, who's one of the great illustrators, uh, uh, just a fantastic talent. He's done some amazing work for us on Harbinger before. He'll be coming in for part of issue one and issue two. And we have Clayton Henry coming up behind the scenes after that. And we've got a couple of other people uh, that were that were eyeballing for. Yeah, for rest us. assured, we're, we're being very coy here, but rest assured, this is a book that we've put a lot of time and effort into. Uh, there's a huge cast here. Warren and I were talking about how we thought, Jody, that this is the best thing you've ever written, frankly. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, the first issue. And so uh, there'll be more details coming up. But for right now, rest assured, there's going to be a big story. You're going to have a lot of fun with it. And there's a ton of great uh, artists on this yeah. book. It really is. I mean, when we say it's an event, this really is an event in the truest sense of the word. This is bringing together all of the biggest I wish they quit calling things the events, Paul. This, Just uh, call it a you know, movie like series. Infinity Gauntlet or something. This is uh, together for a big universe-ending battle royale. Uh, like we've never seen before. I think they start the thing that I love so much about it me when first. get there, ultimately, you'll see is that Jody's put her own spin on it. So it's not just another punch-up where we're going to take something out and, and defeat it, and then we're victorious and we head home. The way that we, we're going to close this thing out is a truly valiant thing, and it's very, very much to your sensibilities. Yeah, it's wonderful. But there's, there's also a lot of punching. Tons of punching. <laughs> cool. Tons of punching. And I also just really love the design. Who did the design for the villain I think that was AI? Clayton Clayton Henry. Henry. Yes, I love how it doesn't actually look that threatening. But <laughs> yes, but but yes, all of reality is at stake from that thing with a little grumpy face. As it should be. As it should be. What do you guys think? You guys pump for faith in the future for us? <laughs> Thank you, Thank you. Cool. So we have a big, big summer coming up. Faith in the Future Force is going to kick off in July. 
but that's not all. Coming in August, we have something so secret that we can't even tell you about it today. Dinesh, why is August classified for the Valiant Universe? Can you say anything about this? Clearly, clearly the book is named Classified. I'm very excited for Classified number one. No, no, we cannot say anything. This is, we, we, we're going to tell you a lot about what's coming in 2017, but we've got to keep a little bit still close to the vest. Classified, you're going to have to wait and see what we got coming up. So you know it's know, not it Shadow Man. Favorite character? It's is it a be icon for the Valiant Universe? What could it be? Mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty remarkable, but uh, it's classified. So we're going to need to get back <laughs> Good to it. Good deal. But one character I think that uh, <laughs> anyone who calls himself a Valiant fan certainly has an affinity for. If there's one, uh, it's got to be Bloodshot. Jeff Lemire has done some amazing work on this character in the pages of Bloodshot Were Born. And he has a new series coming up beginning in September that we're calling we Blood reborn. <laughs> Bloodshot we reborn. Bloodshot salvation. Bloodshot salvation. salvation. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Warren, what is Bloodshot Salvation? And what's he was the- all about re-reborn over and over again. We <laughs> got to do it. Really tried to sell us on re-reborn. Uh, what's Bloodshot Salvation? You could have just and, called it uh, all new Bloodshot Reborn. Who's Jeff for this book? Well, uh, Jeff did a masterful job on Bloodshot Reborn, which was. Uh, I'd vote for the all new, just, all different Bloodshot Reborn, Reborn but then also just make it the same. Uh, yeah. uh, and really, sort of put Jeff's spin on it. Jeff's one of the finest writers working in the medium now. Uh, incredibly uh, talented guy, and he teamed up with Miko Soyan, Luis Rosa, a bunch of some of the most remarkable artists uh, in the Valiant stable. Uh, and, and we opened with Ray to, in a motel room, and he'd essentially given up being Bloodshot. And we sort of went through this journey where he'd gone from being uh, 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 essentially a weapon of a, of a paramilitary group known as Project Rising Spirit and being sort of sent on these bloodthirsty missions to discovering who he was and trying to build a life for himself. And in Bloodshot Salvation, Jeff's taken that to the natural conclusion or the natural, uh, I should say, evolution, where we introduce a new character called Jesse, who's Bloodshot's daughter. Uh, and what we're going to see uh, uh, is the relationship that begins with Bloodshot and Jesse uh, and Magic uh, and sort of see what kind of a father Ray is. He's a really good one. Uh, and Jeff, who's written some of my favorite things uh, over the past decade, including Essex County, uh, uh, our run on Bloodshot, uh, Underwater Welder, uh, just a masterful writer of characterization, has really put a beautiful spin on it. Um, and so, so Jeff has given Bloodshot a family? Yes. Jeff Lemire gave Bloodshot a family? Yes. You don't think he's going to take it away? He gonna, wouldn't do is that. Is he going to do bad things to It depends family? what page comes up next. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, what we discover, uh, uh, we see that Ray, uh, he, he, we, open, we open one of the issues with, with basically the daughter going through, being put through the gauntlet. There we are. Where Jesse uh, is attacked by four guys in baklavas, uh, and Magic helps fight them off. Uh, uh, and, and she's crying, and she's saying, why'd this happen, Mommy? Why'd this happen? And Magic looks at her and he goes, because Daddy couldn't leave good enough alone. And she's like, where is Daddy? He goes, Daddy ain't coming back. So that's where we start the series. And we have this beautiful dual narrative, uh, which is drawn by both Miko Soyan and Louis LaRosa. Louis in the present, Miko in the future. So two timelines at once. Yeah. H- hell of a team. Yeah, so we've got an extraordinary team coming up. Uh, Brian Rebron Color is doing a beautiful job here. Uh, and it's really just, it's, it's, uh, he's done a wonderful job and. And Lewis and Miko's pages, they come in, I send them around, the guys just shoot back emails, wow, this is stunning. So we're pretty pumped for it. Well, the scripts, I mean, this is, this is an emotional roller coaster. So uh, Bloodshot has got a family, then he's not there, you're not sure why, he's got to go somewhere, or he's done something that's caused his family harm. We see Jessie when she's a young girl and she's vicious. I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster. And these guys on the art, it's, it's going to be a monster book. Yeah, and one of the things that Jeff's done really well is, is, is he's building up the villains in this particular arc. In the last run, uh, we had a lot of villains and it dealt a lot with the psychology uh, of, of Bloodshot and what he's 
gone through, but in this particular arc... In the last one, Bloodshot was his own worst villain. Yes, he was his own worst villain. I was talking with Jeff about this, and he's like, yeah, we needed some villains to get in here. So he's built together uh, an incredible roster of villains for us, and that's Rampage there on the right. So we're, we're pretty pumped. That was drawn by Miko Soyan. So we're pretty pumped up about what's big, coming up. Big classic villain, much demanded, back now on the fray, uh, worth the wait. His first appearance is, is uh, he's very mean. Not a nice guy. Well, not just Rampage, but also out of the ashes of Project Rising Spirit, yeah. we're going to get Omen and the Scarred Man. That's what kind right. of impact are they going to have at the universe of, on the universe at large? Well, uh, as we saw out of uh, Bloodshot USA, uh, Project Rising Spirit, uh, when they tried to turn New York into a Bloodshot-invested zombie death pool, uh, it did not work out that well for them. Uh, and that's where Jeff picked up in Bloodshot number zero, uh, which is out now, where he really sees what the fallout of that was. And we introduced a new character called the Scarred Man. Uh, and we discover that he's basically going to be heading up Omen uh, and kind of uh, 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 taking the, the kid gloves off, as it were, uh, to really ratchet things up, which will have a huge impact on our universe this year. And I think one of the things worth mentioning here, and I'd love for you guys to jump in too, is, you know, much in the same way that Jeff worked super far ahead and built a huge plan for Bloodshot Reborn that spanned, you know, two-plus years, and in the way that Matt just built uh, a year and counting of Exo War. We're doing the same thing again here on Bloodshot Reborn. This is going to be another massive launch for Valiant coming up later this year. Can we tease yeah, anything totally, about what totally. Jeff has planned? Because he, he too, has a, is building a huge runway well, that he's taking this character well, down. What I'm most excited about with Salvation is the fact that Jeff has built this, already this two-year story with Bloodshot, and this is a, and it's such an amazing story, and you know people want to jump into it. This is a great place to jump in. This is a brand-new starting place, and he's already got a year in the works all at once. We've got tons of scripts in already. Art's being worked on for a number of books. We can't tease, and you, you know very well why we can't tease, um, but there'll be more details coming up soon, uh, unless you want to tease Warren and, and incur the wrath of Hunter. Well, w- one of my favorite things about Jeff is that you'll, you'll talk to him on a Friday, and, and he's spending a couple days over the weekend you know, thinking about stuff to do, and then you'll talk to him on a Monday, and he's got a 15-issue plan of exactly what's going to happen with Bloodshot, where he's going to go, what arc two is, what arc three is. You know, and it's genius. And it's, it's, it's flawless. It's just fantastic. So... He's one of the most accomplished and talented plotters I've ever seen. Uh, and, and he really captures that here. Uh, and all these... What's that in that middle panel? What is that on the third panel? That's a good tease. That's a good tease. So, so that'll be a key story coming up. We've got it in the first panel as well, second panel. So Jeff, he's doing a great job here. He's really excited about so it. So these are pages from the uh, Valiant Exo Man and War Free Comic Book Day special, which is going to be coming out in the first week of May, available at every comic shop in the country, uh, participating in Free Comic Book Day. This really is... Uh, a roadmap to where Bloodshot Salvation is going to be going over the coming year. Yep. Jeff has there's nothing in this story that is an accident. Jeff has really built a you know uh, a treasure map to where he's going to be going with the character. And by extension, we could say the same thing about the rest of the book as well. This is uh, the Exo Man War FCBD special, which uh, features glimpses of pretty much everything we're telling you here uh, today at Valiant Summit. Is pretty much maybe the best jumping on point that we have for the company all year. What else is in this book, guys, that we should give a shout out to? Well, there's a, there's a brand new Exo Man War story that sets the ground for uh, the Exo Man War book that's just launched last month. There's a brand new Bloodshot story that, just like Jeff did two years ago in Free Comic Day, he built a brand new story that uh, sowed the seeds, laid the seeds for a bunch of stories that will come. Uh, and so you can go in there and, and try and figure out what he's got coming up. And this is brand new and, and free Yep. Uh, in May. And plus a, an advanced look at an extended portion of Secret Weapons number one a couple and months our before. U- our usual teasers and a big, awesome Valiant Universe image. Yeah. Lots of teasers. Lots, Lots of teasers. teasers. This is a big one. This will yep. be a big book for us. 
cool. Now we get into another very exciting project that we have coming up. So if you've been following Valiant at all over the past couple of years, you know that there's perhaps no bigger new character in the Valiant universe than Divinity. This is a series that really took on a life of its own. The story of a lost Russian cosmonaut returned to Earth with godlike powers created by Matt Kent and Trevor Hairsign, something that I know we're all exceptionally proud of and uh, very excited about. Um, what is the significance of Divinity in the Valiant universe, guys? What do you think? Divinity is a, a, a godlike character. He's more powerful than anyone else in the universe. He uh, is uniquely qualified to be able to jump into stories that are on a cosmic scale. Uh, and Matt's the genius. He's built him to, to have the mind of a man. And so uh, he's a reluctant uh, godlike character. He's also communist. He's from the 60s. Uh, he's this uh, very, very unique character. And I think that's partly why he's been so successful. This book went to 11 printings. Yep. Uh, second uh, Divinity 2 went to uh, five or six printings as well. Yep. Stalin vs. Divinity 3, big salad as well is going on right now. Um, we've got a few more plans. So Stalin vs. just ended. So why don't we bring Matt Kint back out to find yes. out what's coming up next. Come on, Matt. Hi. How you doing, Matt? Good. <laughs> so why don't we set it up? Mm-hmm. After Div- We just wrapped up Divinity 3 Stalin vs. And after Divinity 3 comes something entirely new, something that we're calling Eternity. Um, what can we say about this, guys? What is Eternity, and what is its significance for the publishing line? It's so weird. We've been teasing this thing for two years now, but you can finally talk about it. Can I? How much you can, can I say? Everything. Though? You can say I can everything. say everything. So that I can talk about the baby? Yeah, talk about the baby. Right. Well, they have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just where the story starts. Um, I think where we left off... Uh, Mishka and Divinity had a little, there was like a little quiet domestic scene at the end and, and uh, we sort of leave them there and then we pick up um, with Eternity uh, and now there's a baby yep. <laughs> so the fascinating thing about what we're building here and th- what you're putting a lot of your creative energy into is this isn't Divinity 4 this is you know it uses Divinity as a jumping off point to tell an entirely new story about not even the Valiant universe, but perhaps an entirely new universe. Yeah, that's a good point. You're creating so much stuff here. I think it's blowing everyone away, and we'll share some of it here. But who, who's, who is Eternity? Who is this spectacular new character, Eternity? <laughs> I think. Uh, you know what's funny? I, I think I uh, say Matt. Too, I'll say too much, but Eternity like, is not a Eternity is not a person. It's a place. And if you wonder what the unknown was. Perhaps how, where, who, or where, or what uh, gave divinity its power, where all of that kind of stuff comes from, we're calling that place perhaps eternity. That has a good ring to it. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if anything, we're going more cosmic than than we did in the first three stories. You know, we're just blowing it out, and uh, and you guys sort of gave me free reign to come up with something insane, uh, which is like a whole, basically a pocket universe. Which is what the unknown is, which I think for the first three arcs, we don't really know. It's called the unknown for a reason, because we don't yeah, know. The thing that gave <laughs> divinity and the other cosmonauts yeah, its powers. Yeah, yeah. And the, I, the, the, uh, one of my favorite things about the story is that we, in, in the first issue of Divinity, we open into the 1960s, and while America's targeting the moon, the Soviet Union is targeting the edge of the galaxy. And what we discover is that they get there. Uh, and the cosmonauts encounter something uh, which imbues them with this extraordinary power. We've kind of been teasing it for three issues, and they're really explaining what it was or how they got there. Uh, but with this particular issue, uh, with this particular series, Matt and I were talking, we're both huge fans of Jack Kirby, the king. Yeah. 
and we've, we've, we, you know, we always send pages back and forth to each other. We're not trying to beat Kirby. No, we are not trying to beat. There is no beating Kirby. There's very clear. There's no beating Kirby. But, uh, uh, but you know, Matt, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, where was it? T2E2, I think. You showed me that page that you bought of Kirby. It was like a turnaround, and yeah. you know, we send Kirby pages back and forth to each other all the time. So we, we, we love this. We love Jack Kirby. He's the king. Uh, we're incredibly inspired by his work, and we're talking about just blowing things out into like kind of a crazy way. And this is one of those characters that's uniquely qualified to do this, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to not have Kirby as a touchstone if you were a kid growing up reading comics, you know, and he definitely was. Um, so bringing that, trying to figure out how to get that into a Valiant universe, which is science-based, um, to me was what made it fun and, and different. You know, it's like, okay, well, Kirby's done what Kirby did, but how can we do something that ca- captures kind of that vibe but we do it in a way that makes sense in the in the Valiant universe, and and there is like a science explanation for everything that is going on here. Like I did a ton of research on what a, how a pocket universe works. You know, apparently that's a real thing <laughs> that can be, and so I read a lot about it. I put it in the in the pitch I sent you guys. It's in the very bottom. I'm like, if you're, if you're curious. Here's a bunch of stuff you can read. <laughs> oh my god! But, uh, I spent so many hours trying to understand what the hell you were talking about. I did, I did too. I I read probably read. Uh, I was trying to read string theory. God, when was it? Last year. I was reading, and I really I read the same like six paragraphs I for like ten videos. times in a row, and I was like, I don't. Uh, and then my mind, I can feel my mind like this. It's like I almost get it. I almost get it. No, I don't. I don't. It understand. turns into your mind yeah. into a singularity. <laughs> yes, that's but, uh, string theory. So that, uh, that was where I started. I was like, okay, how do we get how do we get to something cosmic and crazy, but we do it starting in the Valiant universe, which is is our world, but like ten percent. Is that what was it like tilted ten percent? Yeah. You know? So it's yeah. like, how do we get there? One of the great things about our universe is that you know we don't have gods descending from the skies or you know Deus Ex Machina is all over the place. It's a very science based universe where. You know, it's essentially our world was tilted ten percent in a different direction. You know, so it's kind of fascinating mm-hmm. the challenge to build that with those kind of uh, uh, with that structure. Yeah. So, but what you're doing here is not a small undertaking, as you guys can see from some of the artwork we're showing on the screen here. You know, it's not a small cast. Your guys are building perhaps dozens of new characters that are going to inhabit this world. That are is a whole new pantheon for the Valiant universe in a way that's never existed before. Characters that perhaps even outrank Divinity in you know their power scale and what they're capable of doing. Uh, how does that inform the kind of story you're trying to tell? I mean, is Divinity the waypoint through that we're going to meet this entire uh, new world of characters? Yeah, he is. I mean, it, I, the, without spoiling too much, the, they have a kid, and the kid disappears. So Divinity basically looks around with his cosmic powers and can't find their kid. And he's like, what the heck? You know? And so then we follow him as he goes to, back to the unknown, enters this world, and then encounters all these crazy characters, which I think in the pitch there were, there's 20, I think there's 25 named characters, right. and, there's, and then there's a whole world. You know? And then I've sort of sketched out how the universe works and how it's structured and, and, uh, and the the roles that everybody plays, you know. Again, it's to me, it's like world building, like kind of like we did in XO, but this is like sort of universe a cosmic, building. sort of the yeah, pocket universe, you know, um, which is fun. I guess that's the thing I like to do, is come up with like a, a world and society and a way for people to work in these weird um, environments. And yeah. you're designing a lot of the characters, but we also have some other artists from across the Valiant line contributing. These are by artist Kari Evans. You can get a sense of kind of the color palette. 
of what the world of eternity is going to look like, which is virtually unlike anything else you know that we've certainly published in uh, of a scale that's you know pretty much unheard of in comics today. There's a ton of creative potential flowing through this thing. Dinesh yeah. Warren, are you particularly excited about one Dude, aspect this is, of this book? This is this is the most ambitious thing anyone's talking about in comics right now. We're literally talking about creating an entire new universe with an entirely new tone and, and dozens and dozens and dozens of characters. Uh, you know, hopefully we get there. Hopefully it doesn't all crumble. Um, I feel like we're seeing this kind of color scheme more often in sci-fi comics lately. That's a very conscious choice in all our parts. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that yet. Um, And I hope we get there. It's a little... uh, We've got our our secret weapon in Trevor Harrison returning. Yes. Trev is uh, just... uh, He's true Divinity 1, Divinity 2, Divinity 3. And Eternity is a new jumping on point. It's going to be a new entry point for us as we we try to do with everything at Valiant. But Trev's just such a master storyteller. Uh... One of my one of my favorite things about working with Matt is that he'll send the script and he'll have. Crazy I don't know about character design, design, but with the color scheme, it's like uh, I'm trying to think of what ones like Low or Seven to Eternity. A lot of the ones with kind of more a more creative art style that are just kind of beautiful to look at. You know, did you read Odyssey? That was great for me. A little bit of it, yeah. It was kind of hard to read. It's kind of a weird book to begin with. Like yeah, those, but yeah, those kind of color schemes. I, I really do I like, like that color scheme and sci-fi stuff. I think it's a little bit of a shift from you know what we had before. Ryan and Ian. Honestly, we. I think we're all gonna get. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, man, this is. We've been through so much with this series. I feel like we're like. Not to bring up Lord of the Rings again, but I'm like the cast of Lord of the Rings. I, I emailed everybody. I was like, we need to get like a divinity tattoo because we've been through this, yes. whatever, like yes. if Warren 12 issues any of divinity. It, Ryan Wynn, David Barron, and Trevor Hashline will never work with anyone else ever again. <laughs> and then you're writing all those stories. No, that's great. Yeah, I think we're going to get matching tattoos. But I'm personally very, very excited for this. Uh, knowing what you guys did together on divinity and now that you're coming together to build something entirely new is a fantastic proposition and it's a little bit Kirby. It's a little bit Mobius. It's entirely different than the flavor of anything else we've attempted thus far. Super excited to see what you guys have in store. Awesome. Let's have a big round of applause for Mr. Matt. Yeah. See you later. Which brings us to Colin King, MI6's most dreaded intelligence agent. Do we have any Ninja fans fan. in the house? Yeah. Woo! My dog is an Ninja fan. Uh, Matt Kint's trying to sneak back on camera. Yeah. I'm so excited to clap for Ninja. That was Ginger, actually. Warren Dinesh, what's Ninjak's significance you know, to the Valiant Universe? He's a uh, British spy uh, who knows uh, a, a very high form of ninjutsu, and he's also a complete a-hole. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. Yep. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, uh, he's basically a mercenary, mercenary for hire. Uh, he finds himself more often than not aligned on the side of good, uh, working with MI6, uh, a member of Unity. Uh, kind of teaming up to help stop uh, threats that will kill all of us very frequently. Uh, but he's he's a bit of a jerk. He's had a, a pretty rough life, uh, uh, and he's channeled it into into being Ninjak, and he's a ninja, which is awesome. So we've you know successfully built Ninjak as a solo character in the Valiant Universe once again over the past couple of years. But this November we're going to be doing something very very different with a new team at the helm. Yes. Why don't we welcome the new writer of Ninja K, Mr. Christos Gage, to the stage? That's a good choice, Hello. by the way. Yep. Hey, Christos. Hey, how's she it going? Wrote, man? What did he write? He wrote some Bloodshot, so I want to say. Yeah, he was doing that. Bloodshot. He's Harper. not. He's not. Yeah. is only Ninja. There yes. are many, many uh, throughout the ages, and you're going to be shedding some light on that. What is your take on this book that we're calling Ninja K? Yes, well, 
credit where it's due, it, it was uh, Matt Kent who introduced the notion I don't of like that they're actually that Ninja Act is actually Ninja, Ninja K, K, and that means that there was a Ninja A through J. It took me a minute Ninjaj. to do the alphabet. Ninja. And uh, we're going to be, you know, how is it that a uh, practitioner of a Japanese art of espionage came to be MI6's, a British intelligence agency's top agent? Then what's the history? We're going back as far as, so that's how far back we go as we find out about Ninja A, Ninja B, who was the uh, first British ninja, and then going on into throughout the years into the 60s, the more James Bond style ones, uh, 70s, you know, what if Foxy Brown was a ninja is sort of my take on that one, and, uh, you know, up to the present day. But what's happening in the, in the new storyline is someone is killing people associated with the ninja program uh, from the past, and Ninjak has to investigate because he's probably on the list. Uh, but we're also going to be exploring what makes Ninjak himself different, which is that he's he's the first one that's a mercenary, that's freelance, that has some independence. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but we're really going to get into that backstory. I thought Matt did an amazing job getting into the personal mythology of Ninjak and where his powers come from, what his history is, uh, his, his childhood. And now we're going to be getting into the background of the program. So very excited about that. Awesome. And one of the distinguishing things about this book and your first script for this thing is absolutely killer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Awesome. We're building a 40 it's extra long. Yeah, it's 40, 40 pages. Long. 40 pages. Yep. 40 Including page the complete issue. history of the ninja program from World War One to the modern day. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And, um, yeah. and if we didn't kill Thomas Girello on EXO, we're going to do correct. it. Here. That's right. <laughs> That's really it. I'm super excited that, that he's... Yep. Doing the first issue. Um, the, one of the fascinating things about this book is the previous series was uh, a little bit superhero, a little bit supernatural, a little bit uh, kung fu or martial arts. This is very much an espionage-driven um, take on the character. I've been calling this thing the biggest uh, biggest budget James Bond movie ever So made. not to knock on what Matt has done what with Ninjak, because I that you really enjoyed it, Ninjak but through, I think as a, uh, this seems to be like what I want. Well, I mean, partly because I, I was such a big fan of what Matt did. Yeah, I've been but, saying that you know, for a while why, with Ninjak. I think it started out why, really strong, you know, but then after that, it just... With, uh, you know, it was a good story, side, but it just was taking him too far away from like what, what I wanted from it. Uh, Dallow tweeted me earlier about uh, my favorite Ninjak moment ever is from the Valiant when he's in the snow and he is staying motionless while the snow's falling on him. Uh, and then he lifts up out of it. And it's just like that, that to me was a breathtaking moment for Ninjak. And uh, I feel like he's gotten more more James Bond and less ninja and I think he needs to be more ninja and less James Bond Skyfall without having seen Goldfinger Um, but if you're a hardcore fan from the start then you know you will be seeing threads picked up and it will inform it but we're also very new reader friendly absolutely alright I was on mute for the stream Um, yeah I don't know They, they had a lot of issues last year this year was a little bit better. I'm sure it'll come back. So let's just recap, I guess, what we got so far. There's no way that's done. Shame on you guys. Um, let's talk about uh, Ninja K a little bit. Did you listen to the last Only the Valiant? The actual Only the Valiant, not uh, not VCR. No, I, I really don't listen to any podcasts. Okay, that's fair. So, no, I mean, it's fine. Um, 
Sean and Chiclo were at WonderCon, and so they had their uh, their annual uh, After Dark episode. With uh, oh, that's right, I do need to listen to that one because yeah. they talk about how great we are. Yeah, it's the one that uh, you know they sponsored Valiant Sinja Podcast because they love us so much. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to listen here. Let's, yeah, you know what? I'll leave it up. Um, and that's that's this is one of the books that they talked about. They didn't say it was even called Ninja K. Uh, but they did talk about Ninja K and Ninja L and Ninja whatever. Um, and it's a little silly, to be honest with you. But if it means that Ninjak becomes an actual spy book like it's supposed to, mm. then I'm okay with that. And it sounds like this one's going to be exploring the um, the lineage of the ninjas. So it makes sense it being called Ninja K if they're exploring that somebody's going around killing all the other ninjas so this story is the story of ninjak is ninja k he's on this list and if that's what it's going after then the name makes sense if it's just changing up the name of the book it is kind of silly but if this is sort of like a storyline of the book and then like once they get through the storyline of somebody's trying to take out the the ninjas um then it it can go back to you know can go on to being kind of like bloodshot has done bloodshot bloodshot reborn Bloodshot USA, Bloodshot Salvation, you know, it's different stages in the overall story. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I think Chris does is a is an interesting choice too, so that's good. Yeah, Dallas said he wasn't keen on Gage's uh Bloodshot, um, but like he said it might have been the art. I enjoyed the the Bloodshot and Hardcore run of Bloodshot. Um it was I mean it was cool to kinda see the hardcore in that light instead of in the light of Harbinger Wars also. Um but I enjoyed the first uh the first twenty five ish issues of Bloodshot for it just being a a kick ass action book instead of being something deeper. I mean you have to kind of accept what something is meant to be to enjoy it. Really so I, I thought Gage's was a good arc, and I mean, who was it? Who was writing the first uh, chunk of it? Was it Swarzynski? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was fine too, but it wasn't like mind blowing. So whereas, like, who's this Gage shit taking over for Swarzynski? You know, it was just like, oh, I, I honestly, I don't even know at that point if I realized a different person was writing it because the names weren't really uh, sinking in quite at that point. You know, I want to mention that as you know before, we walked in here and we were able to access some of the greatest characters of all time. Created by guys like Jim Shooter, Bob Layden, Barry Winter Smith, David Lab, and Joe Casada. So Daniel and Cable Smith Bray. is the guy that's writing one of the great things about this particular run uh, that, that, that Daniel's I coming really up with like that is book, we get to see so. the brothers in a way that we've never seen before. We're all huge fans of, of uh, the issues that came before, uh, but seeing the brothers really not in the same kind of status quo that we've really ever seen them before. No matter they're not on speaking terms, they're yeah. they're not on speaking terms. Uh, no matter how bad it's been between Conan and Woody over the years they've always been brothers and, and they have these bands that are attached one is, one is on Conan and one is on moment. Woody and they have to clank them every 24 hours so it's one of Priest's really brilliant metaphors for family where it's sort of you can't take them or leave them you always gotta keep them mm-hmm. and Daniel's really drilled down into this and he's built a story where we open and the brothers are basically engaging with each other because they have to not because they want to just and once every 24 hours once every 24 hi, hours hi clang get out of my life and there's been a terrible falling out and what we begin to piece back is why this has happened and what what the story is about really why they have a falling out no matter what woody who is a ne'er-do-well who's always been in problems who's always been arrested and quantum's had to bail him out and quantum's a straight-laced guy he works for a living he, he cares about society 
no matter what they've been through, they've never fractured this badly. So we open and we, we see them in this place. But it's Eric's fault. But Eric's the one that messed up this yes, time. Yes, Eric did mess up this time. He messed up big time. And you don't expect it to be that way. But, but yeah, we've got our, <laughs> our awesome cover up here by Kano. Kano's back. He's going to be drawing this. For real, guys, there's no Shadow Man coming. I know you're all excited. <laughs> but Kano's back. Uh, uh, when I asked Kano if we wanted to do this, he's like, I've been waiting to draw those two jerks forever. I'm excited again. Did he really say that? Yeah, he's just so happy. He couldn't pass. So he's back. He did a beautiful job for us on the Delinquents book, which is a Quantum Woody and Archer and Armstrong crossover. He's perfect for this. Daniel's come up with a great story here. If you guys are not following Daniel on Twitter, start right away. He's one of the funniest guys. Genius. He's an absolute genius. He writes for the, uh, the, Daily, Stephen, show. the Daily Show Late with Stephen Colbert. Late Show, Late show yep. with Stephen Colbert. Uh, he's, he's a real talent, so I think we've got something special here. Yep. And interior since the Book of Death one shot he did. So yes, totally yes, and his great work on, on Delinquents. But in keeping with what we were talking about with Ninjak, this is a book that, again, we're very blessed. We get to build the mythology of these characters out. It is a book about family, and, and Daniel's been very smart. He's built a story that, that is about family, and we get to learn a little bit about Woody's family um, and, uh, and a, a bit about his origins, too. So stay tuned for that. And just very briefly, I know we probably should address it. I know there was a leak of some Quantum and Woody television news. What can you say about that, Dinesh? Anything? On. Live on the air, Dinesh asked about TV shows. Um, yes, we have the, the Russo brothers are producing with us. Uh, they're huge Quantum Moody fans. Uh, they, uh, they were integral uh, in both Modern Family and Community, um, uh, two shows that uh, uh, have a very specific tone, and uh, they're bringing that to uh, Quantum Moody. We also have um, Barn Ferrari, two fantastic writers. They wrote Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2. Um, those are the components that have been announced so far. Uh, there are uh, equally large components in this show that have not been announced uh, in terms of actors and, and other uh, uh, producerial writing capacities. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll announce them when we can. Uh, but rest assured, uh, this is going to be a big, big deal, guys. Lots of stuff coming for Quantum and Woody later this year. And this is going to be a book that you're going to be hearing us talking a lot about as we head towards December. Uh, so that is our 2017. What do you guys think? Anything worthwhile? <laughs> But we know that Valiant's a company that likes to work ahead, and I don't yeah, think we, I think, do. you know, I think we should maybe just tease out a little bit about what might be coming in 2018. Do we have anything we can share? What do you think? A little something, something. A little something, something. Something we already announced, in fact. We talked a little bit about an event called Harbinger Wars 2. Have you guys heard anything about this? Yeah. 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 Okay, so coming in December, we have a very, very special book called Harbinger Wars 2. This was available only as a special mail-away exclusive that you could get, uh, by redeeming some coupons that were at Harbinger Renegade number one through four. And here at Valiant Summit, we're going to tell you for the first time yes. that that book is going to be written by Matt Kent with art by Doug Braithwaite. That's a creative team that's worked on some of our biggest titles. Um, and they are devoting a lot of time to this special one-stop story that's essentially a thank you for the fans who put their ba- uh, put a, a lot of work into getting that book from, uh, from the coupons for Harbinger Renegade number one through four. What can we expect from this book? I know it's still a little bit far away, but what do we have coming for Harbinger Wars 2, and how does this fit in? It's Harbinger Wars 2 is going to be the biggest thing we do, guys. Uh, 100%, this is the biggest story, the biggest conflict. Um, nothing has prepared you for what we're going to do with Harbinger Wars 2. And uh, to show you how serious we are, we're doing two things. One is Harbinger Wars 2, number zero, which is not essential reading, but anyone that's read Harbinger Renegade and wants to read Harbinger Wars 2, definitely you should try and get this book. It's going to be a fun book. And then the other thing that we're going to do is Harbinger Renegade number five is going to be uh, a very, very emotional book. Uh, so much so that we have a wrap 
We have a wrap a warning yep. label in the book. Yep, this is one of the most hardcore things that we have probably done. There's a very, very graphic death of a major Valiant character in this issue, and we're so secret, as a matter of fact, that I think how many people I know about it? Five of us, myself, you, Warren, Derek, Derek and, and Rafer. Rafer. That's it. Yep. We have not even told the rest of the Valiant crew because it is it is such an inflammatory thing we're doing uh, that we're afraid it's going to leak. We want to keep this as big a surprise as possible for you guys. Hence the warning label, hence no one at Valiant knowing other than the five of us. Uh, good luck trying to get it out of us, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, stay tuned for the issue because it, again, like we talked about Jody House's uh, best work, perhaps, is going to be Faith in the Future Force, our best to date. I think Rafe Roberts' best script ever is his script for Harbinger Renegade number five. I think the best stories from Valiant are yet to come. Yeah, Rafer just crushed this issue. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and Derek's drawing the heck out of it. We're pretty stoked. And what you're going to see slowly over the course of the coming year, Harbinger Renegade number five comes out in July. Of yes. this year, uh, we're calling it the, uh, the beginning of the road to Harbinger War II, and you're slowly going to start to see the dominoes that are going to fall over the next 12 months as we lead into what is Dinesh said is our biggest uh, event to date um, and most impactful. Uh, from, from a narrative standpoint, this thing is going to be like nothing. Oh, you missed all the exciting part of what are you um, So that all begins at Harbinger Renegade number five. I know, my stream has been really War choppy. II number zero will be shipping in December to the folks who are able to redeem it. And as you can see, there's a lot of folks who could potentially have... Were they just talking about the show, or was there comic news? Uh, so who's that character you mentioned before? I think I forgot. But, uh, who's uh, the one, the one who's definitely that? not getting a book? The one who's definitely uh, Shadow not Man. Gonna, Shadow Man? Nothing's coming from Shadow Man. I don't know. Do we have any Shadow Man fans here? Would you guys like to know anything about Shadow Man? <laughs> so I think without a doubt, Shadow Man might be our most demanded character. What do you guys think? Yes, definitely, definitely. Even the logo alone gets people excited. Yep. And so, that's all, that's all we got for you guys. Yep, just the logo. Just the logo. <laughs> Good night. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. So we have something very special coming for Shadow Man, and we can't tell you too much about it, but we can tell you the date, and that is March 28th, 2018. There is going to be a new Shadow Man book on the stands. This is a major date for Valiant uh, for a very special reason, yes. Dinesh, why? Well, listen, guys, I, I know what you're feeling right now. This is a long ways away. This is one year away. But think about it this way. X Amount of War, we announced that book well in advance. We put an incredible team on that book, a number of great artists, and we put all our resources towards making it a massive, massive book. Today we told you that X Amount of War number one was the biggest books, one of the biggest books of the year and the biggest independent book of 2017. Uh, and I think we're very safe to say no book will beat that record in 2017. We're going to do the same thing with Shadow Man. We already have a fantastic pitch, a fantastic writer. We've got a great creative team. Uh, and as we march towards March of next year, we're going to be showing you a lot of really cool stuff. So it will be worth the wait, guys. Um, but it is a little bit away. Yep. So this is going to be a major, major date um, for Valiant going forward. I think we're planting our flag in the sand here. If you guys have seen the kind of work that we put into Exo Manowar this year, isn't that the day that March of next year is going to be massive for Shadow Man and a major publishing event? And March is going to be a big, a big month for us every year going forward. We've grown now to a place where we're very lucky. You guys have supported us. We've been very successful. We're going to take our shot now at the big guys a little bit, just a little bit. And every March we're going to do something really, really big, a big launch, a big something. And this year was Exo Manowar. We've got Exo Manowar Wednesdays every month this year. Uh, next year will be Shadow Man, and that'll be yeah. equally seismic. And we should mention that that art is by uh, the incredibly talented Greg Smallwood, who you guys know yes. from Dream Thief, from Moon Knight. Phenomenally talented guy, and has delivered some absolutely stunning uh, work for Shadow Man. So, very excited for what's coming in 2018. Uh, but without further ado, we have a couple minutes left. 
We'd love to take some questions from the audience if you guys have any. We have time for two or three questions, and we'll take some questions from the Twitch live stream. Anyone out there feeling itchy? What do you got? Question? Yes, sir. Will the goat make a reappearance? <laughs> oh. Everybody always wants I'll to state it again. Goat. I'll state it again for the uh, for the live stream. Will the goat be appearing in Quantum and Woody? Uh, the goat. The goat is. I mean, how could we not? How could the goat not be in Quantum and Woody? The goat might be more popular than not just Quantum and Woody, but every other character at Valiant. Uh, so much so that that in the development, we'll talk TV show for a second. In the development of the TV show. All anyone wants to hear about, I'm talking Joe Russo, Anthony Russo, Gabe, and, and uh, Andrew Barferrari. All they want to do is talk about the goat and trying to get a goat button issue, a button episode where nobody talks. It's just the goat for 22 minutes. This is how popular the goat is. So, yes, that's awesome. your goat coming awesome. your way. All right, let's take a question from the Twitch stream. Here we go. A lot of, co- uh, a lot of characters coming back in 2017. When will we see more Rye and 4001 AD? Well, we've got the one shot coming up. Uh, in June with Rafer, July, June. Yep, there's Rye, the History of the Valiant Universe coming up this summer, and then July. Faith in the Future Force, of course, which yeah. is going to have some forty. History of the Valiant characters. Universe. We're going to check in on Rye. We're going to see. Uh, uh, we're going to see that will be uh, Rye will return there. Uh, we've got uh, Faith in the Future Force, as I yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and we we're cooking. If, if only we hadn't announced everything. Did we announce everything? We didn't announce everything. Oh, that's right. We've got one thing left. Mm-hmm. You know, walking through that, it was yeah. great to see how, how stuff went away for four or six months, came back, you know what I'm saying, when it was right, when it was perfect, yes. when the time yes. was right. You know? Rather than what we're talking about, it's very important that we, we address this. Rather than continually publishing a book and letting the quality dip, we at Valiant want to make sure everything we do is, is worth the time and effort, the time and money that you guys pay to, to consume it. And so we like to take these breaks make sure we have a really, really great book before we come back with it. The, the only pressures on us are trying to tell great stories. Uh, and that's what we always strive for. Uh, we don't have to do... Yes. We don't have to do four line-wide crossovers every year to goose numbers for a quarter. We don't have to do anything like that. The pressure that's just on us is to, is to make sure that Harbinger's ready to go and it's ready to go. Shadow Man's ready to go and it's ready to go. So that's really, you know, that's really one of the foundational elements of Valiant. One more question. Yes, sir. What's the future of Archer and Armstrong? Hmm. What's the future of Archer and Armstrong, guys? Hmm. Faith in the Future Force would be a great place to check in on that. Uh, we absolutely love the run that Rafer uh, just finished up for us uh, with David LaFonte and Mike Norton. Uh, we're, we're cooking. Not everything. We're not going to announce everything today. I'm sick of them. I think they're done. That's it. Much like Shadow Man, never again. <laughs> Let's take one more question from the live stream. Uh, seriously, guys, who dies in Harbinger Renegade number five? <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. Uh, I can't. Sorry. I'll get really mad. Warren is available to bribe. Yes. I'm to put that out to the world. Very low bribe. Three but, figures we're talking here. It could be done. Uh, but I've hired a sniper to tail Warren everywhere he goes. You didn't tell me that. The, I'm telling you now. The, uh, the minute it looks like... Uh, he's about to say something uh, that's related to Harbin joining Gate 5. That's it. New EIC. Done. Done. Time for one last question. We can take it from the house or from the live stream. Anyone here? No? All right. What's next for Savage? Warren? Savage? Savage being the series by B. Clay Moore, yes. Clayton Henry, and Louis LaRosa that Yes, one of the new characters that were released last year. year. Uh, one of the characters that came out in uh, uh, last year. We love the response to it. Uh, Louis LaRosa obsessed with dinosaurs. Uh, if you want to get into a 45-minute conversation with Louis about the minutiae of dinosaurs, uh, uh, just talk to him about feathers. He loves it. It's his favorite thing to do. Uh, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. 
Lewis is the best. Uh, we've got some plans coming up for Savage. Qu- quite uh, a cliffhanger on that last issue. Quite the cliffhanger. Quite the cliffhanger. Uh, it's kind of awesome. The story's going to be awesome. I don't want to get too far into it right now, but it's awesome. Awesome. So that's what we have for you guys today. Thank you to our wonderful audience here. Thank you to our guests. You wanna- And again, another major thank you for Hyper RPG, who right here in this studio hosts the Valiant Vanquished role-playing show every Wednesday. Zach, do you want to come on out, buddy, and say sure. what's what? Sure. This is Zach Eubank, CEO of Hyper RPG and our host. Why don't, why don't we get out of your way? No, no, you guys are good. You guys are good. This will be quick. Well, you guys are you guys are going to create a singularity. Yeah. On the same couch. You feel threatened. Touch. You feel threatened. There can be only one. We got Warren here to keep the buffer. Keep the buffer. So Zach, you've been tapping into a whole new you know angle on the Valiant universe through Valiant Vanquished. What is that show for fans out there who may not know, and how can they get involved? Well, uh, the show uh, has been running for over a year now. We did this first season last year up in Seattle, and we just started our second season down here in L.A., and we're really excited and proud to be a part of Valiant Digital with you guys this year, which is really cool, and I think you guys are absolutely crazy for working with us because it's a live... It's a live RPG with a bunch of comedians. Uh, Here at Hyper RPG, we are super fans of the Valiant Universe, and um, all of our hosts are big fans of the Valiant Universe as well, but they're also comedians that can roll poorly, and then all of a sudden you end up with a gas can that shoots confetti and talks, and and now it's a part of the Valiant Universe, which is really cool. Uh, but it's a live RPG every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Uh, the audience is able to interact with the show. Every week we pull a winner from the audience to be an NPC in the show, so they get immortalized on the show as well. And it's a really crazy and absolutely nuts, nuts fun time. It's really, it's really fun. I can't stop watching. It, it's, I'm not a role-playing guy, but I can't stop watching you guys just have a blast and make jokes and play in the Valiant Universe. Yeah, we're only four episodes in right now. Uh, you can catch up on YouTube. And actually, when we're done here in just a couple minutes, if you're watching on the live stream, we're going to play the first two episodes. Awesome, uh, awesome. Just let them run through the afternoon, and you can ask lots of questions in the chat. We have a lot of fans in the chat. And it's been really cool for us to bring our love of the Valiant Universe to our chat room uh, and now have discussions about the books and, and to host you guys and to host this event and all of you as well. This has been a really, really, really cool. Awesome. Kind of a nerd dream come true. Indeed. In a lot of ways. And thank you for letting us borrow the studio yes, for, thank for you. that. Thank you. Yeah, awesome, of course. Awesome of course. Um, last question for you. The Road to Harbinger Wars 2, we just said a little bit about that, what we're going to be doing on the publishing yeah. side. You are getting to see a little bit of the secret sauce. Yeah. I don't think you've been brought into the to the secret club of not, six yet. Not all the secrets, but, uh, but you know, one of the fun things um, that Josh and Dinesh asked us to do is to use the show to help build up to the excitement of Harbinger Wars that's coming. Um, and... So our show is a group of recently activated Psyots who are released as latents on the Psyot papers, and there's a lot of people who are trying to control that situation, and uh, there's a lot of mysterious players involved, and we get to kind of work towards those big events in really fun and creative ways and hide little secrets in there for you guys. Yeah, super cool. All right, let's have a big round of applause for Zach, our host for Hyper RPG. And that concludes this year's Valiant Summit. Thank you so much to everyone. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have one more thing. Oh, go. what is it? We have a giveaway for the audience that's watching. Wait, there's more? Yes, there's what? a giveaway. Uh, so for all the people who are watching the live stream, get active in the chat room. 
Uh, we are giving away a signed poster from the event, a collection of Volume 1 uh, comics, and some exclusive merch that will sh- be shipped to you directly from Valiant. So, Lucas, you want to go ahead and pull a winner? He's going to pull a winner and yell it. So if you want to close out, then we'll announce cool. the winner. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you to everyone that yep. came to the live audience. Thank you thank also you guys. To, the, to the crew back in New York, all the guys that helped put this together, Robert Myers, Charlotte, everyone. Thank you to Shanice, Josh, Andrew, Ryan, everyone that's helped today. Big thanks to Hyper RPG, all the creators. Still Boo Warren, though, right? Well, I didn't say thank you to Warren, did oh, I? Okay, good. That was not Ooh. a mistake. Thank guys. you guys so much. Really appreciate it. That concludes this year's Valiant Summit. Thank you all guys right, so much winner. Whatever. It's in the chat. Thank you, guys. We're going to play that playlist. Uh, stick around. Thank you. All right. You still there, Paul? Yeah, I'm still here. That was exciting. Do you have any yeah, last-minute my- last commentary? commentary? I was going to say, hopefully my computer will hold out. Uh, the battery is dinging at me, but it's plugged in. It just has a crappy battery. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, there's I, – I don't think that there was a whole lot that was super new. Some stuff was kind of cemented, like getting a date for Shadow Man. That's exciting so people can finally, like, have something to hold on to and stop just wringing their hands about when will it come in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I like their re-emphasis on, uh, on – putting out the best stuff at the right time and you know explaining why there's gaps and stuff sometimes and i think that what we have laid out in front of us the next year is a lot of what people have been looking for um and i'm excited for a lot of it like i've always we talked about ninjack and this new series and uh, i've always liked ninjack but i always felt like something just wasn't quite uh right for what i wanted um and i think that what we're going to get sounds like it's going to be getting ninjack kind of off of the tangents of this big story that took him away from something back kind of onto what he is outside of all these other factors maybe sure um yeah i think there's a lot of things to be excited about for the next year uh classified something or other classified top secret guy <laughs> what 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 was that war mother last year right that was war mother last year it was top secret mm-hmm. classified um uh, yeah that's fine um I love how they always, whenever they do these, they always do, like, the small stuff. But there's no, like, big, big announcement, right, at the summit. Um, mm-hmm. It was the same last year. By the way, uh, Hyper RPG, much better job with the stream this year. Uh, I think it only cut out one time, which is very good. Um, it might be because they were actually in the Hyper RPG studios in L.A. and not in New York like they were last mm-hmm. year. So that might have helped. Um, definitely look like a much smaller audience. Um, I wonder who was actually there. Because, I mean, it looked like maybe the audience was like 30 people tops, 20, 30 people. So it's probably like Bleeding Cool, uh, my favorite website in the world. Uh, sarcasm. Uh, Nizarama, things like that. But that's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Um, overall, in terms of the announcements... Um, I'm trying to think what excited me the most. I think I might be with you. I think maybe Ninjak. I know we talked a little bit about it during the stream, but it seems like having Ninjak be a ninja book really makes sense to me. Um, it seems like, which that's the weird thing though, right? Like Matt Kent is such a huge fan of the original Ninjak. Um, 
that I would have expected the book itself to be something akin to what that original book was, and it wasn't. Um, and I'm sure that maybe that some of that is uh, uh, editorial, right? But it seems like what Christos Gage is doing with Ninjak is going to be more on par with uh, what old school fans are familiar with in terms of Ninjak. And that's exciting to me. Um, I hope it doesn't get lost in explaining too much about Ninja A and Ninja B and Ninja C and all that stuff. Um, however, I do look forward to seeing Ninjas with two Zs. Did you get your headset fixed? Uh, seeing if I could switch, but it's doing stupid stuff. Yeah, it happens. Paul's headset's on, everybody. So, um, other than yeah, that, you know, I think it's like we talked about with Unity, though, where Unity never really got its own footing because it was always part of something else, and I kind of feel like that's part of what's happened in Ninjak. That the first maybe couple of arcs that was focused on the the Shadow Seven, I thought was really good, and then all of a sudden he's being pulled into the dead side, then he's being pulled into the future, and he's being pulled in all these different places to tell these different stories. Yeah. And but he never really got settled in his own story. You need more time to really develop the solid story of what Ninjak is before you start whipping out all these these crazy tangents. Um Unity did the same thing, so I think that this is kind of getting back onto that more like this is Ninjak's story, not Ninjak being featured in these other stories, even though it's his title, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, what about stuff from Secret Weapons? I don't think there's anything new there. No, I'm excited about it. Like I said, it does, you know, they, they kept on saying how original and there's nothing like it. It is. And that's true to an extent, but it does seem very reminiscent of books like Superior Foes of Spider-Man, or even like, uh, I don't know, there, there's that style of art that you saw like in Hawkeye and Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and it's like Raoul Allen's style, which I like that style, but it also kind of lends to a certain type of storytelling. Yeah. Um, so this is a little different from Superior Foes, where this is like misfit heroes, and Superior Foes was misfit villains, um, but... Uh, yeah, having a, uh, I don't know, Superior Foes, I think, was maybe a little little more action-driven and less character-driven. So this is, if this is more focused on the characters, that could be a separation between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm excited about it. I mean, whatever it is, if it's along that vein, it looks good to me. Yep. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you ever read Generation uh, X. It was an X-Men title with uh, a younger team. Um, maybe it'll be something like that, which I'm totally good with, because that's always been my favorite X title. Um, of course, as I said on the stream, there is a character named Martin, and my speaker weapon is I make things glow. Uh, like this podcast, I make this podcast glow. Because <laughs> I bring happy thoughts to it. Um, the character named Paul, he just makes things uh, dark and scary. I don't know, I just made that up. If you want to know more about Rexo, though, Rexo's an old character, and I'm sure you remember Paul, because you read that uh, very interesting early Harbinger stuff. Um, first appears as Harbinger 3, in whatever year that was, 92? Yeah, I don't think it'll be hard for them to make a Rexo a lot better than Rexo was. Yeah, Rexo was pretty terrible. Um, mm-hmm. If you've never read Rexo, he was like, uh, he was a vet, right? Some kind? Yeah, I think he was a vet, and he was either in a wheelchair or, like, uh, something. Like, his arms had blown up. I can't remember. Um, and the spider aliens gave him some armor, and that's how he became Rexo. So, anyway, it was not a cool character. Um, 
uh, he was probably only around for like a year and then they killed him off so interesting to see what they're going to do with Rexo here and how the origin story changes because obviously he can't be a, a Vietnam vet or he'd be super old yeah yeah I don't remember exactly what he was I don't remember if he was a vet uh, I don't remember him being a vet uh, I remember him being mad because he didn't have a penis because his body got blown up and uh, and he was angry at women because he couldn't use his penis that he didn't have yeah because his penis got blown up in the war I don't, I don't think it was in the war I think he was a nerd that never got the chance to use his penis no I don't think that's true since we're talking here, Daryl Taylor, I'm going to call you out in public. Dude, we're live streaming this stuff. What do you mean, well? Just tune into the YouTube channel. <laughs> he wants me to text him and tell him everything that's going on. No, I refuse. Anyways, uh, yeah, so that's Secret Weapons. What else do we have? That's pretty much it. I mean, Quantum and Woody, okay. Like, that's fine. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I don't think Quantum and Woody. At least in the circles that we run in, and I mean, listeners, if I'm I'm wrong, feel free to tell me. Uh, on you can you can tweet at me at who's Paul, and I'll tell you. But uh, I mean, Daniel Cable Smith, I like what he's doing in Valiant High, so that's fine. Um, Kano's doing the art when she did delinquents, that's fine. It's kind of a Woody, that's fine. But you know, whatever, it's kind of a Woody. Yeah, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Quantum of Woody should be fun. I mean, it depends on I don't know. I think it got too tangential as it went on, and I don't know. Tried to do too much. If it's just uh, if it if it keeps its focus a little more narrow, it'll be better for it. But yeah, I mean, this Valiant Summit, just like prior years, was a lot of getting more details fleshed out on what's coming over the next year. I think rather than getting any big surprises, so mm-hmm. was what we expected. But I'm excited about what's coming over the next year. Whereas I think last year is kind of like. Well, hopefully that'll be good with sure. most of it. And this year, I more feel like with that I'm, I'm excited about that. That's going to be good. I like that direction. And before I get comments when I post this, why are we not talking about Shadowman coming in March 2018? Because that's all we know. So I'm not talking about it. Okay. When they start okay. releasing info, I'll be happy to talk about it. However, Greg Smallwood, if he's doing interiors, I will flip my shit because Moon Knight <laughs> is my jam. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to be it for us. You've been listening to the Valiant Central Podcast, episode 121. I'm at Geekvine. He's at Who's Paul. The show is at Valiant underscore Central. And hello at NerdLegion.com is the email address. Uh, I don't know if we're going to stream often or not. But at least now, uh, those of you that joined know what the YouTube channel is. I don't know what it is, so don't ask me. And uh, that's it. Have a good night. <laughs>